Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk with Arizona GOP Chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward, and then we'll talk about Obama's megalomania revealed, connect these dots, talk show host Clay Clark calls in, and the Insurrection Act, why and now. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. We're going to start today's show with an interview. We have Dr. Kelly Ward online. She'll be joining us in just a moment. She is a medical doctor. She is a former Arizona state senator, and now she is the chairman chairwoman of the Arizona GOP, the Republican Party of Arizona. And I, I'm so grateful she happened to be available today because this is a great opportunity to tap and understand in just one state, the status of things, the progress of things in people challenging this abundant fraud in the 2020 election cycle, understanding more on the ground what's happening in Arizona. We have Dr. Kelly Ward joining us. Hi, Kelly. Hey, hi, Debbie. It's great to be with you. And yes, there's a lot of fight going on here in Arizona and the other contested states. And I think there's still a long way to go before we know who is going to the White House on uh, January 20th, 2021. It sure is. I'd love to have you just give an overview. In Arizona, what kind of uh, evidence or indicia of election fraud came to your attention, uh, the attention of the Republican Party in Arizona? Right. Well, there are so many things. And uh, so I actually am personally involved in two different lawsuits, one at the state level and one at the federal level. The state level case basically revolves around uh, duplicated ballots, ballots that for some reason wouldn't run through the Dominion machines. So they had stray marks. They were torn. Something was wrong with these ballots. And so election department employees then recreate that ballot for for the voter using the voter's intent supposedly and i think that we are maybe the only case that has actually gotten some discovery at the state level um, the judge allowed us to look at get this 100 ballots out of 28,000 that are duplicated and 1.9 million plus that were mailed in okay so we got to look at a tiny amount and even in that tiny amount, we found a shift that would favor President Trump by 3%. One of these ballots was filled out for Trump by the voter, and the employee that recreated it gave that vote to Joe Biden. There's a 2% shift right there. Another ballot was filled out for President Trump, but for some reason, the election department decided not to count it at all. This race in Arizona is too close. It's 0.3% separating President Trump from the other guy. That's just a little over 10,000 votes. These kinds of mistakes, these kinds of errors, these kinds of potentially fraudulent behavior have to be exposed. And so our case basically says we need more time. 
We only had two days to do discovery and look at over three million ballots across the state. We believe that that violated our due process rights, our 14th Amendment constitutional due process rights to be able to look at this for our presidential electors. So that's case one at the state level. And the Supreme Court has accepted that and docketed it. Well, they've docketed it. I don't know if they're going to accept it, and I don't know if they're going to give us expedited consideration. The second case I have joined with all of our Republican electors, Sidney Powell has brought this case and has multiple areas of evidence of fraud, from Dominion, from the software, from ballot stuffing, from uh, inappropriate uh, and un, un, uh, the, the observers had no meaningful observation. It runs the whole gamut with the Sidney Powell case. So that, too, is before the Supreme Court, and we are waiting to see if we've gotten expedited consideration there as well. So lots of legal fights going on. And our Republican electors all met on the 14th to cast our votes that represent the legally cast ballots and the legal votes here in Arizona. And we have forwarded those on to the proper entities in Washington, D.C., and we believe our votes are the ones that will count on January 6th. So when you say your votes, I mean, there are GOP electors and Democrat electors, and so the GOP electors are voting for who is obviously, actually, you believe, won the election in Arizona, which is President Trump. Okay, so that sets yes. it up actually also for the January 6th uh, event in Congress uh, for them to recognize that there are contested elector, electoral votes uh, for Arizona, which is a whole other thing I went off on yesterday, so we won't go off on that again today. But back to Arizona, I also mentioned yesterday in my show there was a state senator in your state who had himself decided to subpoena the Dominion uh, voting machines and ballots and it was in part because they are challenging, as other states are, especially after we saw the results from Antrim County, Michigan, and how uh, grotesquely unfair that election was you know, using, once I had it, I could actually examine the Dominion voting machines there. So is this senator in your state, is, it part, is that part of the Sidney Powell case, or is that a, a separate thing he's pursuing? This is another another potential way to get Donald Trump back into the White House and to make sure that we have election integrity in our state. So Senator Eddie Farnsworth, he is the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He was allowed by Senate President Karen Fan to hold a hearing. Uh, and we had some great senators there, Republicans, asking very, very good questions of election department employees, of our Republican Board of Supervisors and the Democrat. There's four Republicans and one Democrat in Maricopa County. And based on what they heard during that hearing, he has issued a subpoena with the subpoena powers of the legislature to look at the software, to look at the machines, and to look at the ballot images that were created in Maricopa County. Now, I do wish that our supervisors had just done this when we asked them before they certified a likely yep. fraudulent election, but I'm so happy to see our legislature taking a role in this and pushing things in the right direction. Yes, that was a very brave step. He had a great quote in the media I played yesterday, just as we, that their duty is to know the truth. The duty of the Senate, the duty of the legislature is to get to the accurate answer of who won the election in Arizona on November 3rd. Um, so Kelly, what if I want to sum or Dr. Ward, Chairman Ward, you have so many good names, Chairman Ward. Um, <laughs> so you have then two cases before the Supreme Court, Arizona does. Um, and then if this uh, subpoena by your state senator results in information that 
potentially uh, is a um, proves that there was fraud, then uh, let me back up. Maricopa County is the biggest county in terms of numbers. Is that right in Arizona? Yes, okay. it is where Phoenix is, and they they had over 2 million votes in Maricopa County alone for the state of Arizona that just had a little over 3 million. So the vast majority of votes are in Maricopa County. So if this uh, examination of the Dominion machines and the software and all of that can occur quickly, this may also be a, a route either for a third uh, piece of litigation or could also result, isn't that right, he could join in the litigation before the Supreme Court. Is that right? He definitely could, or Governor Ducey, a Republican governor, could actually call the legislature into session and our Republicans could do the right thing and say, we cannot allow fraudulent electors to be sent to the National Archives. We demand that Donald J. Trump and Michael Pence's electors are the ones that are counted on January 6th. I don't know if he will. He hasn't been that helpful lately. I've noticed that. I wasn't going to say that, but since you've raised it, he has not been that helpful. It's kind of a surprising thing, given that it is a Republican governor in the great state of Arizona. So do you know offhand who, when the senator has issued the subpoena for the Dominion machines, who is going to do the analysis of those machines? Well, I believe that they're in negotiation with Maricopa County to determine who will do that. I certainly hope that the same people who have analyzed data and machines in Michigan, in Georgia, in Texas, and other places will be involved in this. Because if you have someone that's related to Dominion, the likelihood that the results are accurate goes down significantly. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to get a, a hard charger to be able to look at these who will give us the actual truth about what these machines have done and what the true outcome is. Kelly Ward, I just thank you so very much for, I mean, people in this time, in this post-election day, but we're still election season without an answer yet, grateful for every single person who's standing up, fighting, exposing the fraud, demanding the courts look at it, and not really being uh, hindered by the attitudes of some more uh, establishment-type Republicans or Republicans who don't want to really rock the boat. Or even, sadly, we even saw that uh, Mitch McConnell, who's supposed to be like the, the among the Republican leaders in Washington, is already throwing in the towel. But I'm so grateful. This is, a, as one of my good friends said on Twitter recently, this is a hill to die on. Getting this election result right is, is all important for America's future. Thank you so much for everything you're doing in Arizona. Thank you, Debbie. Our liberty, our freedom, and our republic are on the line. We will not stand down. We will not give up. We will not give in. We will fight on. Love that attitude. Wish every Republican American had that. And I thank you. I know you're very busy. Dr. Ward, thank you so much for taking time and joining me today. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. I got to tell you, folks, that was one fighter, Kelly Ward in Arizona. And um, I have on our website uh, links to several stories related to her uh, pursuit of the truth. And actually, also, I linked to her Twitter feed. She's really good on Twitter and pointing out things that uh, need to be pointed out. So that was Dr. Kelly Ward, who is the chairman of the Arizona Republican Party, Arizona GOP chair, um, just a, a real fighter and, and really just a demander for truth. What I want to turn to next, we didn't, we're kind of not having our usual first five today, but I want to turn to something. I put together some facts I want to share with you. I call this segment Obama's uh, Megalomania. Uh, which is just basically a big word that means someone who's forever seeking power and control over others. Megalomania revealed, connect these dots. And I want to connect several dots with you. 
And so, and the reason I'm doing this is, it isn't in particular to pick on uh, former President Obama, although he is worthy of, of great criticism for his conduct, but it's even deeper than that. The reason to talk about this today is because what we're starting to be able to see is that another, it's another example, another indicia of the fact this is not simply a 2020 election between Republican and Democrat. This is between staying the course and being America, the America of the founding, the guarantees of the Declaration of Independence and the, and the founders and the Constitution and the rights and liberties of individuals to live in freedom. It's that, that's one side. And the other side is a giant leap off a cliff to Marxism, to the increasing Marxist control over America. Those are the two choices on the ballot in 2020. I want to start by asking Matt, the very wonderful producer, and he really is. I say that really often. I should say he's a wonderful producer, just fabulous. I want to ask him to play uh, a clip I sent him. This is a very short clip. You may have seen a recent interview uh, of President Obama. What you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, I had a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm -hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Wow. I, I'd be fine with that. Okay. That's his, I recognize this may be something that standing alone you say okay so he's just saying i love being president and you could even interpret it positively you know i love america and i you know i think i did a good job as president so i want i wish i could be still in charge okay you you could give him that if you're looking for the positive spin on that little clip you just heard but what i want to play for you next i want to go through and talk with you about and then again this isn't just about president obama but his megalomania, his desire for long-term power and control over America, and again, President Obama, Obama, the most radical leftist president in American history, spent eight years in Washington, not just pulling America away from its foundation of freedom, expanding the government, massively expanding the bureaucratic state, the number of regulations, the power regulations, which is, a, if you do that, if you grow the federal government in Washington, you grow the bureaucracy, you grow the regulations, you inherently, necessarily, and inevitably, at the same time, if you're growing the government's power, you're reducing the freedom of the people. You're making America less free. You're making our businesses, our people, our country, our culture, less and less free. That was one aspect of the Marxist march that, uh, that President Obama was trying to take America down along with his, of course, famous statement, one of his very last speeches before the election of 2008, you know, we're just a few days away from the fundamental transformation of America. He did not mean, people love those words that his supporters did because they could mean anything. Fundamental transformation of America could mean anything. You could attribute all sorts of great things. He meant pushing America away from the very foundational idea of what America is. He famously, back when he was running, I believe for US Senate, or maybe it was when he was running for state senate in Illinois, President Obama, in some interview, strongly, harshly criticized the existence of the Constitution itself. His term was, it's a charter of negative liberties. And he went on to explain that he didn't he like the fact that the Constitution limited the amount of power the federal government has. 
he was lamenting that the Constitution precluded him and anyone in federal office from grotesquely growing the power and control over the American people in the hands of the federal government. That's what he was complaining about. Now I want to go forward. So you just heard that clip. I, I, I created something, a PowerPoint earlier today to share with you. Um, and I just called it, uh, you know, connect these dots. I want to talk about the clip you just heard and then ask you to connect these dots. I'm going to go through it with you. Matt's going to put it in the screen. Uh, and then I just want to talk through these points with you to get to my point about this is another the reason I'm doing this today. This is another data point, another set of arguments, another uh, set of facts for you to consider, because I want to get more and more of my listeners behind the notion that we have on the table right now in 2020. The battle is not just about who got the most votes in 2020, although it does matter who got the most legal votes, and that would be Donald Trump, and therefore who won the Electoral College hands down, and therefore should be inaugurated in January 20th. But it's a, the deeper reason that it matters to talk about this is because it helps more Americans understand why so many serious, ardent, conservative patriots are willing to fight this election because they can see the danger of where America will be headed if we don't if we don't get this election right. So with that, I'll ask Matt the Wonderful to please put up these clips. So, these, um, so here's a little, this is my little uh, outline of the dots I'm suggesting you connect. I wanna remind you, back in October of 2020, so just a couple of months ago, former uh, DNI Ratcliffe, Director of National Intelligence Ratcliffe from the gray state of Texas, uh, who a former congressman, now he's head of DNI, he, if you see at the top, former CIA Director Brennan and former President Obama knew in 2016 that Hillary cooked up Russiagate to smear Trump. DNI Ratcliffe, go down to the text there, the dots to connect, he declassified handwritten John Brennan notes revealing that Brennan, Comey, and Strzok knew in 2016 and briefed President Obama about the fact that Hillary Clinton had concocted, cooked up, the Russia collusion hoax as a smear job against then candidate Trump. I just want you to think about the power of that story, what that means. It means that early on, before the election even occurred, President Obama was fully aware that the Russia collusion story was a hoax. So was Comey aware of that. So was Strzok aware of that. They actually, in John Brennan's own notes, are talking about how they got to sit down and explain to President Obama how Hillary's cooked up this scheme, and they, Brennan, Comey, and Strzok, are a little bit worried that Russia is aware of what Hillary's doing, and they are feeding disinformation to her. They're not even, they're not even the slightest talking about wonder whether or not Hillary cooked up the Russia collusion hoax. They all know she did. She made it up, along with, of course, the DNC's assistance, the Fusion GPS assistance, the Russian dossier smear, all of that cooked up by Hillary, Obama knew all along, and I just want to ask you, if you knew that as a president of this country, and then you watched the next three plus years where we spent millions of dollars, endless gallons of ink and headlines, smearing the president, trying to drag out this collusion hoax that you knew all along was cooked up by Hillary, and you sat in silence, there's a reason you sat in silence. There's a reason. And the reason Obama and team sat in silence, not only because Comey and Strzok were facilitating this hoax, but because Obama wanted more than life itself to get 
Trump out of office. He was extremely, extremely upset that Hillary Clinton did not win the 2016 election. And when we go to the next slides, uh, which we'll do in just a second here, we'll lay one other uh, point before we get to the next slide. We had on our show just a few weeks, last week, we had Patrick Byrne, former CEO of Overstock, and a, a, a not even a Republican or a Democrat. He's a libertarian. He's never voted D or R in his life. He's a very uh, successful guy as a CEO of Overstock. And he has been, as he's revealed in his own website that you can go read yourself, deepcapture.com. What the information I'm about to share with you has been on his website, deepcapture.com. But it plays into the point I want to make today. He had throughout his time, and, and doesn't do it anymore, but throughout his time had been called in numerous times by high-level leaders in American government and asked to facilitate, to do certain things on behalf of America. Now let's go to the next slide and let me tell you what Patrick Byrne released to America. Again, Patrick Byrne, that's his Twitter feed at Patrick Byrne, deepcapture.com, and also the former Overstock CEO. He reported the Twitter account. I'm sorry, it's supposed to come out in white. It didn't. It was from a Twitter account, uh, which is called at Rothbard, R-O-T-H-B-A-R-D, 1776. But all this Twitter feed did was take the statements that Patrick Byrne made in an interview uh, on a, a podcast, Ann Vandersteel's podcast, A-N-N-V-A-N-D-E-R-S-T-E-E-L. And again, what this lays out is mind-blowing for people who actually believe in the idea of America. So Byrne is revealing, and this guy, uh, this Rothbard guy, has been tweeting out a summary of everything Byrne said on this podcast. And again, he also has written this out on his own website, deepcapture.com. He, Byrne, was complicit in facilitating a bribe for Hillary Clinton in the amount of $18 million on behalf of the FBI in January 2016. So you got, okay, so remember this, January 2016, Obama's still president, Hillary's running, Trump is running, the whole you know, flanks of Republicans are running, Bernie's still running on the left, on the Democrat side. So Byrne was complicit in facilitating a bribe for Hillary Clinton in the amount of $18 million on behalf of the FBI, January 2016. The bribe, which she accepted, was then going to be used by members of the Obama administration against Hillary after she was elected. Next slide, Patrick Byrne continued, as it was later explained to him, President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy at this point. Obama's had seven years in the White House planting, seeding the federal bureaucracy agencies of all kinds, uh, especially Department of Justice, FBI, State Department, Labor Department, placing his Marxist allies in those positions of power. President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy at this point, but especially at the Department of Justice. Hillary Clinton is going to be president for eight years, and nothing is going to change that. But think of there being a Bunsen burner within the DOJ, you know, a burner that you can quickly use to heat up something. That evidence about the two bribes you, Byrne, were part of gathering is going to be sitting on the Bunsen burner. The hand sitting on the burner is going to be one of Barack Obama's people. Byrne continues, if Hillary's a good girl and defends Obamacare, the flame stays low. When the next slide there. Um, yeah, there we go. If Hillary is a good girl and defends Obamacare, the flame stays low. 
if she's a bad girl and thinks for herself, that flame is going to get turned up high. That way, Barack Obama is going to manage Hillary Clinton for the eight years she's president. And then when she steps down, Michelle is going to run. The whole operation of having Hillary in place for eight years, followed by Michelle for eight years, was called Operation Snow Globe, named that by Obama and Brennan, so that once Hillary stepped into it, she would, they would be able to shake her up at any time during her presidency if needed. And Byrne says both Durham and Barr were aware of this. This is an operation from the highest levels of the Democrats in this country setting up who they thought was going to be the incoming president, Hillary Clinton, to accept bribes. She doesn't know it's been set up by Obama and Byrne. She just thinks she's taking in dirty money, which is probably not a new thing for her. She's accepting bribes. They're setting up. She doesn't know they're behind it. And then they can go to her after she's taken the money and say, hey, by the way, Hillary, you're in. We know about the bribes. We know about the money you took. And therefore, you, Hillary, are going to do whatever we tell you to do. Your, all your policies, all your decisions, we tell you and you do it. Kind of like what Obama was opining for or pining for in the clip you heard earlier. Kind of wants to be able to control who's ever in the White House. He says, Durham and Barr are aware of it. Next slide, please. Byrne continues. There was an additional Hillary bribe prior to the one listed above, which was in the amount of $20 million involving the country of Turkey and occurred in the fall of 2015. Again, the shocking claim was made in an interview on Ann Vandersteel's uh, show. And I wanted to play all that to talk about the idea. I said this is a connect these dots segment of this show. What we can reasonably and fairly conclude based on what Patrick Byrne is sharing, we're going to get to a moment about the veracity of Patrick Byrne or the likelihood that this could be true or not true. But what you can glean from that is that Obama decided from his early time in 2008 when he said he's going to fundamentally transform America, when he spent eight years in Washington doing everything he could to denigrate the idea of America's greatness and uniqueness, to massively remove freedom from the American economy and society and people by expanding the power of the federal bureaucracy in Washington in the form of environmental controls, all sorts of regulations in the environmental arena, stifling and strangling business. And then you had his uh, Fast and Furious operation, which was going to be, that was set up to be the argument, the basis for taking away the guns from the American people. You had this sellout of America on the international stage through the Iranian deal, where the Iranians, the most single, most, uh, the most prominent, uh, biggest terror exporting country in all the world, and President Trump, President Obama, entered a deal with the Iranians, which, which in essence, as you've heard from many experts on my show and other shows, was not at all designed to limit the Iranians in their development of nuclear weapons. It was designed to do exactly the opposite, protect them in their development of nuclear weapons because the, um, because the whole um, uh, concept of the deal was the individuals, the individuals uh, involved in this deal knew that the way, what they'd carved out in the uh, Iranian deal and the Iranian nuclear deal was certain areas were carved out where the inspectors could not go. And those areas in Iran where the inspectors could not go 
were the most logical areas for Iran to be continuing to develop the nuclear weapons. This is, I mean, so that, what you saw in the eight years of Obama was a drastic transformation of America away from the land of the free, home of the brave, and replaced with a government-controlled society. Huge aspect of that, by the way, is Obamacare itself. Obamacare, you know, President Obama came into office, and this was really one of the first big signals to anyone actually paying attention that President Obama was moving us away from a country rooted in freedom and free markets and the best healthcare system on earth and moving us toward a socialist society, a government-controlled society, where the healthcare system itself was controlled by the federal government. Obamacare was a massive grab, just in economic terms, the massive grab, one-sixth of America's economy, now controlled by the government, but it was also a massive grab, a takeaway of freedom from the American people and placing the control of the healthcare system in the federal government's hands. A massive disaster for, in many, many ways, even over many times, but Obamacare, just the willingness to do that was a massive signal. This is a guy who's a Marxist. He doesn't believe in the ideas and the freedom of America. Socialized medicine is one of the first things that tyrants taking over countries do. One of the first things they do, they take away the guns of the people, which, Trump, which Obama very much wanted to do, got caught in Fast and Furious and couldn't do as much gun confiscation as he had in mind, but he did manage to take over the healthcare system. One of the main, and, and one of the seminal things Lenin wrote about it, the, among the ways you take power, you take control over a people, is you take control of the healthcare system. So you had Obama breeding the ground toward moving America toward uh, a government-controlled society, a Marxist society, and in his Operation Snow Globe plan, uh, there was the idea that you'd have, you would have had Obama for eight years, and then Hillary for eight years, and then Michelle Obama for eight years. You would have 24 years of a Marxist presidency in this country. That was the idea of Obama. The idea was cooked up inside, along with the, of course, willing assistance of Brennan, who was his close Marxist ally. These things cooked up in Washington with the notion that by the time those 24 years had passed, there was simply no way America the free, America the brave, America the home of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and a people who live in freedom, no way that culture, that legal structure, that society could ever reemerge. This was Obama. And I say all that to remind you, I want you to remember, in case you're not thinking about this, who Obama's vice president was. It was he who would steal this current election. Biden, who didn't win in the November elections of 2020. Biden, who is the recipient of the massive election fraud now being exposed in America. This is why, when you understand why people are so desperately, determinately, relentlessly striving to expose the election fraud, to demand that the people in power, the legislators, the governors, the judges in state courts, the judges in federal courts, all recognize this was a massive steal of an election committed through late night drops of mail ballot, mail, alleged mail-in ballots, expanding mail-in ballots far beyond necessary as a tactic to steal the election, 
mail-in ballots dropped in, electronic manipulation. If you didn't read or understand what happened in Antrim County, Michigan, when their Dominion voting machines were finally examined, and you can read about that on our website, americacanbetalk.org, you had that effort, and now you have, you had the media declaring Biden the winner and starting the whole psychological operation against the American people, declaring Biden the winner, not really caring about the fact that so much fraud was being exposed. You have affidavits of average Joe Americans who are signing under penalty of perjury, recognizing it could send them to jail if they're lying, signing under penalty of perjury that they know fraud happened. They saw election workers feeding the same ballots over and over and over and over and over through the machines. People testifying about pristine ballots with only, meaning could never have been sent through the mail or through a machine, like they just came off a perfectly clean printer, all with a neatly, perfectly filled in Biden, bubble by Biden, and nothing else, and all of us are supposed to just sit back and take it. This is what the left thinks, that we'll sit back and take it. But what I just put together for you, I want to urge you to think about, because what, we are, what you are seeing happen in front of us is the next step along the way, along the plan, that Obama had in mind that he tried to put in place by backing Hillary when she ran for president in 2016, the notion of having 24 years, a 24 year string of Marxist control over America, the loss of freedom in every imaginable way in America, and we Americans would emerge 24 years later, the few who even understood what happened, you'd have a massive new population who'd been made legal under the whole, you know, sympathy for illegal aliens in our country. Let's just give them all the right to vote. You have massive legalization of illegal voters, Ill illegal aliens in this country participating in the, the, they believe the support of the Democrat Party. I mean, they had this massive takeover of America planned in, in 25 different ways. But what we just went through, I want you to think about it. Go back and read the slides again. Share them with your friends. Help people understand we're not just fighting election fraud in the 2020 election. We're fighting the Marxist takeover of America. We cannot. This is, as my good friend wrote on Twitter, the hill to die on. This is the fight. We cannot give up. Okay, so one of the things I'm going to do today, we had a, uh, a, a um, gentleman that I kind of uh, met through, actually I met through Dr. Bartlett. You recall Dr. Bartlett's been on my show. He's a doctor from Midland, Texas, and he was the one introducing the idea of inhaled budesonide as the treatment for people who are suffering the, the, the um, breathing-related challenges from COVID. And that uh, interview went viral till YouTube took it down. Well, anyway, Dr. Bartlett has connected with another talk show host in Oklahoma named Clay Clark. And um, we uh, have connected and have been talking about how we cover these various issues. And um, he invited me on his show, which I did uh, a few weeks ago, and I invited him on my show. We recorded an interview yesterday. It went a little longer than we planned, so I'm going to play about the first 20 minutes of it right now to introduce you to another great podcaster, Clay Clark. I don't like to call it, my show is, I say mine is a show. It's online television, online show, America Can We Talk. He prefers the word podcast, fine with me. Clay Clark is his name. Uh, Thrive Nation is his podcast. I'm going to introduce you now, and you can hear about the first 20 minutes of my interview with him yesterday. We'll play the second half some other time. As I mentioned at the start of the show, we're we have an interview today I want to share with you. This is a gentleman I just recently met, kind of online first. His name is Clay Clark, and you'll meet him in just a moment. He's joining us by Zoom. He is the author of 13 books, the co-founder, as he says, on... <laughs> 
on his website of five human kids, okay, and the founder of an online business education platform, trains thousands of business people in 41 countries, award-winning speaker, contributing writer, but the main thing is he's a fabulous talk show host. He hosts a show uh, which is called Thrive Time and uh, loves to talk politics. And so, of course, it was very much fun to meet him just a week or so ago, and he is joining us today. Hi, Clay. Hey, I appreciate you allowing me on your show. So glad you could do this. Okay, so uh, because I know you say on touch on, on top of all sorts of political issues, I'm just going to dive right in. Sure. So we had in Antrim County, Michigan, we had forensic analysis of the Dominion voting machines, absurd findings like 68% error rate when what the FEC permits is 0.0008 is a permissible error rate. So, I mean, just kind of an overall reaction. If you were in the government of Michigan or anywhere involved and you saw that, wouldn't you think you maybe ought to be looking at all the machines? Now, let me ask you this here. What was the first number? What percentage of the time were there errors? Uh, permitted errors by the FEC is one in every 250,000, which I believe comes out to 0.0008 is what mm. the FEC says is a permissible error level. What they found in Antrim was 68% error rate. It appears as though 68% is higher than 0. <laughs> 0.0008. That'd be my first observation, I would, I would say. And then um, in addition to that, I think we need to look at this voter fraud and look at the four big ideas related to voter fraud. So big idea number one is that the actual hardware used in U.S. elections, you would think that that might be a product we want to have made in the USA. However, our hardware we use in our U.S. elections is made in Canada and uses Chinese parts. Think about that for a second, folks. Idea number two, the software that we use in our elections is called Smartmatic. And Smartmatic is now morphed into a company called Sequoia. But the point is, the, the software was coded out by communist Venezuelans. These are people that were very close to the Chavez and Maduro family. Step three, the, the American votes. Folks, think about this for a second. Think about the profundity of this idea. Your votes, your American votes, when you vote, are then shipped to Amazon servers in Frankfurt, Germany. Step four. Step four, your votes are then tabulated in Barcelona, Spain, and Smartmatic, a.k.a. the Sequoia software, has a feature that allows election officials to switch the votes. And that's before we exceed the permissible error rate. So at some point, it, start, it stops being about errors because 68% is much higher than 0.0008%, but it becomes about fraud. And at some point, it stops being about fraud, and it starts being about treason. And so the question I would ask is, what does the word treason mean? So I looked it up today, a little, little, little Webster's Dictionary. It says, the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. Well, it sounds to me like Governor Kemp of Georgia, his decision to choose to use communist-controlled software sounds to me like betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. Or example number two, as my friend Lynn Wood, the attorney, pointed out on his Twitter feed, the governor of Georgia is refusing to call a special session to open up signature verification. What? What is he hiding? I mean, this is crazy. This is the craziest time. Now, again, I'm only 40 years old, but I have never seen such blatant treasonous activity 
And that's why I believe it might be time for President Trump, uh, President Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act. Okay, I want to get the Insurrection Act in a moment, but I love all the points you were saying. In particular, I was thinking how Americans kind of assume that we have, you know, we are the most um, civilized, advanced, stable country in the world. We've had elections have flowed pretty much, you know, without a huge problem for um, centuries, for two centuries. And so, you know, we couldn't really have as big problems as you're describing in our system. That just couldn't be. But now that, even if you thought that, even if you were a legislator in any of these important states where we're now having a huge problem with contested election results, it seems like if you had an ounce of integrity, you would jump out of your seat. If you're in Georgia, Wisconsin, hmm. Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, and say, whoa, 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 we didn't know this. What everything you just said, plus what the Antrim data showed, and you would say, this is what you would do as an honest elected official. You would say, I want to dive in and get to the truth. The fact that they don't want to dive in and get to the truth, Kemp being a huge one, Kemp is a great example. It really just, it, it ought to cause great pause in every voter who ever supported him. Why wouldn't he want to know the truth? So what, actually, and one other thing, okay, go ahead. Why doesn't he want the truth? What's your thought about that? Well, um, whenever you have the truth on your side, you know, you want the truth to come out because at the end of the day, the, the, the truth is what will set you free if, if you're being accused of something you did not do. Um, but the truth is what's going to put you in custody if you are fraud. <laughs> And so, again, I don't think Kemp, I don't think he's having a great day right now. I don't think the governor's too excited about America discovering. I mean, Lynn Wood, who we've had on the Thrive Time show twice here just in the past uh, 10 days, uh, Lynn is such a great American treasure. And Lynn is openly, I mean, he, on his Twitter feed, you can look right now, he is disclosing Governor Kemp's financial dealings with the communists. And yep. it is somewhere between disturbing, uh, super treasonous, um, scary. It could be, I mean, we're talking about the governor of Georgia is enriching himself financially right. while making deals with the Chinese at the consulate in Houston. Now, by the way, folks, if you don't, if you're not aware of this, the consulate, the Chinese consulate in Houston, Texas was recently closed down because of such nefarious, uh, communist spying going on there. Yeah. Okay. We, we determined our U S intelligence determined the epicenter of the communist spy organizations is right there at the consulate in Houston. And that's where Kemp went to figure out this deal, to make this deal, to allow the, the state of Georgia to begin using this nefarious software. And also, Linwood pointed this out. Check this out. The Smartmatic software company, a.k.a. Sequoia, do you know that that company was purchased by the Chinese for $400 million shortly before our U.S. elections? Yes, I do. I do know that it is truly shocking oh. and amazing. I, I, I got to tell you, Lynn Wood, by the way, had the fun. He has many uh, good tweets. I mean, solid tweets. But he had some point about he didn't mind saying what he was saying. Didn't mind getting. He wasn't worried about getting sued by the governor. He goes, because I'm a lawyer. Truth is an absolute defense. I mean, it is true. Yeah, Governor Kemp can complain and moan and criticize. He can't sue him because he's revealing truth. And on a more serious note, yeah, the meeting at the Houston consulate between the Chinese and Governor Kemp was only, whatever, four or so weeks ahead of the time that Georgia got invested in this election system that now has caused so much trouble. It was seems to be very connected.
It is very connected. And I want to encourage everybody, again, because I think you have to hear things multiple times before they begin to take, especially when, when you have a poor communicator like myself on your show. I have to say things multiple times. But think <laughs> about it. True. Point number one, the hardware used for U.S. elections should probably be made in the U.S., you would think. But it's not. It's made by Canadians using Chinese parts. Now, the company used to make the hardware is called Dominion. Now, guess who Dominion shares office space with? Now, on your show, you can say these. You can say this. But on, the, on a lot of mainstream media, you can't. But uh, this will probably get this video banned from YouTube just by saying this. But, folks, let's all do a little trivia question. Who is the person who is sharing office space in Toronto with the Dominion Hardware Company? Sister George has a little pork. George Soros, George Soros, George Soros. Now, you might say maybe George Soros is in a tight financial bind. You know, maybe he needed to office uh, share. He needed to share office space. You know, you have those, those, those nifty little offices where you can share space if you're a startup. So George Soros decided to share office space at 221 Spadina Avenue in Toronto, Ontario, with the hardware company. Point two, the software. Think about Silicon Valley. Think about all the talented coders we have in America. No, no, no. We decided to outsource the coding of our software, Smartmatic, to communist Venezuelans. These are people connected to Chavez and Maduro. Step three, why are we putting our votes on servers in Frankfurt, Germany? Why? Why? And step four, why are the votes calculated in Barcelona, Spain? And you would think of all the features you could put on software that calculates votes. I think the one feature you would not, not put on there is the ability to switch votes. But yet, they have a special ability to switch votes. When we interviewed my good friend Roger Stone on the Thrive Time show recently, he asked the same question. Lynn Wood asked the same question. Any American who loves the country at all would be asking the question, what kind of news organizations and politicians don't want you, the viewer, to know the epic truth about the voter fraud? Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, you know, I'm going to go back to one quick thing about Antrim just to say what, what they built into the system. And this is Antrim right. County, Michigan, and what Dominion built into it. They had in the system vote adjudication logs. So when they have all these error votes, ba ballots, they get tossed in the other pile and they're going to review them. So they have vote adjudication logs. I mean, this alone should tell you this is fraudulent. It's not just squirrely yep. software. This alone, the vote adjudication logs but to allow you to say, well, what happened when they took out the 68% of error votes and, and they adjudicated the, the um, ballots? What happened? The voter adjudication logs are in the system, still in the system that they reviewed from previous elections, but all vote adjudication log entries for the entire 2020 election cycle are missing. They don't even, you can't even go look at it. I, I mean, these are like, this is like oh. a signed confession practically. Hide it. Okay, I, but I'm, okay, so enough of that. I mean, there's so much fraud that I just find extremely troubling that not every single legislator in America and judge is not on board with just correcting the situation. But let me ask you this. So Electoral College um, had their meeting yesterday, such as it is, they're all in their own state capitals. But there are many people who are saying, well, okay, Electoral College is over. It's better for America to just move on. Okay, Biden seems to have won it. And yet there are many Republicans, conservatives saying, no, we're gonna keep on fighting to get to the truth. What do you think is a better answer? Should be statesmanlike and just let it go or keep fighting? Well, let's talk about how America was founded for a second. King George was taxing us without our consent, is my understanding. <coughs> he was entering us into foreign wars without our consent. 
And the colonists said, hey, we, we, this is enough, okay? Because they'd already seen this happen before. And America is a country founded by people that would rather die standing up than to uh, give up all their freedom and to lose all their freedom for convenience. That's how America was founded. Our founding fathers were, were reluctant heroes. They didn't want to start a war, but they, they wanted to fight for their freedom. Our, our founding fathers, they didn't wave the white flag in the, in the, for the first sight of adversity. They fought. Think about our national anthem. Think about the national anthem, right? The whole song is about can you still see that star-spangled banner? Throughout the night, it was being, we were being attacked. We were being bombed, yeah, right? Yeah. But they kept that flag up there, refusing to give in. The, the, the idea of that we were waiting until the dawn's early light to see if that flag was still there, right? Think about that. It's saying that we should wave the light, white flag and lose and stop praying for and, and fasting for and supporting for our president is a lot like saying that that, that that song, the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, that that song should be about how we waved the white flag and gave up to see if they'd be nice to us. That's not what's going to happen, and President Trump is going to win. But I ask you, the listener, I ask you this question. The word treason means the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. The word insurrection means an act or instance of revolting against civil authority or an established government. So the question I would ask you is at what point do we enter into insurrection? At what point, I mean, think about this for a second. The governor of Michigan, you talk about voter fraud, voter fraud is only surpassed by medical fraud in 2020. 2020 is the year of perfect vision where we can see that voter fraud, the voter fraud and medical fraud is happening right in front of our own eyes. Right. But think about this. The governor of Michigan, Governor Whitmer, has decided to keep her state locked down, killing countless small businesses, demoralizing people, ruining weddings, canceling graduations, allowing her people to live in fear. When she now knows that John Hopkins University, as well as many other leading institutions, have come out and said that there is not an increase in the number of deaths in 2020. So if there was an epic number of cases of a deadly virus, you would also think there would be an epic number of deaths, right? You would see an increase in the number of deaths. So what you're seeing is you're seeing nefarious, tyrannical voter fraud and medical fraud. And it is clearly more than a little bit of insurrection and a little bit of treason. And that is why I go back to it is now time for, ladies and gentlemen, the Insurrection Act. So how do you think President Trump should implement the Insurrection Act right now? Because I will tell you, this executive order, which he, with great prescience, apparently, put in place in September 2018, you know, he yes. right now could say, uh, well, I've been waiting for Ratcliffe's report that's due on Friday to, to document all the foreign interference. He could right now do things like he could appoint a special prosecutor. He could order the seizure of all, uh, a seizure and empowerment of all of the voting machines in this country, which I yes. think that's a minimum. That should be yesterday that he does that. But how would you think he should use the Insurrection Act? Well, let's talk about the Insurrection Act for a second. Um, let's and I try to give you a little bit of context here. We all know the name Abraham Lincoln. Um, I think the vast majority of your listeners, at least the good ones, believe that racism is wrong. Uh, President Lincoln had the thought, you know, racism is wrong. Perhaps all men are created equal, right? When we're given certain unalienable rights by our creator, he says we need to be 
uh, intellectually honest. We cannot have dissonance. We need to agree that all men are created equal. All men are free. So he writes this thing called the Emancipation Proclamation. I think most people are tracking with me right here. He says, <laughs> all men are free. Now, at this point, this is where it gets crazy. Because you know how this is. I know you don't have friends like this, and I don't have friends like this, but some people do. Some people just like to talk. You know what I'm saying? Some people just like to talk. They talk about opening the business. They talk about, well, I tell you what, if you come to Texas and try to make me wear a mask, I'll, I'll do you know, we have to talk about what we're going to do. But then when it comes time to doing it, Abraham Lincoln said, there really is no legal precedent for what I'm about to do because I've clearly, as the president with the power invested in him, I have decided that slavery is over. The Emancipation Proclamation has begun. Slavery is over. So free your slaves. And some people in the South, there's a lot of great people from the South. I'm just imitating people from the South. I'm from the South. But this is, I'm sure some of the governors who were a, a, a tad bit racist back in the day said, we're not going to do it. Nope. Can't make us do it. We're not going to do it. You know, they're just that way. So Abraham Lincoln says, well, I, my brothers, my, my fellow governors, I need you to go ahead and uh, free your slaves. And they go, no, not going to do it. Not going to, wouldn't be prudent. Not going to do it. No, no, not that we need it for the cotton. No. And they had all sorts of justifications, right? And at a certain point, he says, all right, it's time for the Insurrection Act. And the Insurrection Act of 1807 allows the president to deploy the U.S. military and federalize the National Guard to send in troops under certain circumstances to uh, suppress, and I'm reading the three, civil disorder, check. All right? I mean, I think we all agree this is civil disorder, right, when your governors aren't allowing you to, aren't allowing you to check the signatures on the election ballots. Insurrection check they're not following any of the election laws and rebellion check they're working with the chinese so it is now time to implement the insurrection act now how that works i know first off you need to have a secretary of defense that respects you that doesn't argue with you in the media by the way the former secretary of defense his behavior was bizarre i'm so glad he got removed yeah. but christopher c miller is now the acting secretary of defense i have never met the person However, many people I know that are close to the source say he loves our country and loves the president and will implement the Insurrection Act if asked. <clears throat> and so now we have a secretary of defense who believes in our country and freedom. We have a president that's willing to fight for this. The president knows this is not a fight against Joe Biden. Uh, right. I think Joe Biden could get physically abused by his little puppy. Joe Biden could physically, I mean, he seriously, Joe Biden could, could lose in the third grade. Third graders in a dodgeball tournament would decimate Joe Biden. He's not in a fight. He can, Joe Biden, here's the thing. When Joe Biden loses the presidency, he won't even know that he lost. I mean, he, 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 you could just give him a hat that says he's president and he would just hang out in the basement. And he would think he's president for the next four years. So the idea that Joe Biden could win any kind of fight, I mean, get out of here. So we're in, right now, President Trump realizes we're fighting against the communists. And although the media tried to suppress Hunter's laptop, right? No one wanted to talk about Hunter's laptop. Hunter's laptop is filled with the most crazy uh, content. And I'm telling you, folks, Hunter Biden was selling out the office of the vice presidency of the United right. States in exchange for investment capital, billions of dollars of investment capital. And Hunter Biden is being controlled. He's been compromised by the Chinese many, many years ago. And so has the Biden crime family. Okay, folks, you know, this interview that you just seen, Portia, that went on actually for 25 or 30 more minutes. We'll play the re remainder um, another time because we're at the end of our time today. But he touched on, the person we were speaking with, Clay Clark, touched on the Insurrection Act and there are more people clamoring for President Trump 
to use it, saying the terms of the Insurrection Act have been met. The point I made afterwards, and we wrapped up with him, and I will just have to get to the rest of what, I actually found some great research I'll share with you tomorrow about how uh, the Insurrection Act came to be. Very, very interesting. Under Thomas Jefferson, trying to essentially stop Aaron Burr, um, who was off, in the, off the reservation. Uh, it's how he got the Insurrection Act, but I'll save that for another time. What I want to say about the Insurrection Act is this. Many people are clamoring for President Trump to use it now. They can see that what is occurring in our country is an absolute attempt to steal a federal election, to steal the rights of the American citizens, to vote and choose their president. And so there are people clamoring for that. The point I made in response to what he was saying, and I'll close out the show with, is this. Because of the executive order that President Trump signed in September of 2018, he will be receiving a report from DNI Ratcliffe, Director of National Intelligence Ratcliffe. The report is due no later than this Friday, so a couple days away. And the report is supposed to lay out all of the information available to him on foreign interference in the 2020 election. So DNI Ratcliffe must create this report. It goes to President Trump. It goes to other people in the federal bureaucracy. It'll eventually go, I hope, very quickly to the American people. And I think what we will see from that is that the scope of foreign interference in this election compounded with the interference by American citizens aiding, abetting, and assisting these foreign entities in stealing this election, in, in attempting to steal this election of 2020, will rise to the level of treating those American citizens who assisted in the theft of this election as potential enemy combatants. And the reason this matters is, I think if more and more Americans, because right now we're still at a place, certainly many Democrats keep saying, oh, there's no evidence of vote fraud, what are you even talking about? And there are actually some Republicans who never read or learn anything who are saying uh, there's no proof of election fraud. You know, I know that because I heard it on uh, NBC or something, you know, some left-wing source of news. And there are Republicans who are honestly just as happy to get Trump out of office because they don't want to play his game. They want to play the ruling elite establishment game, and they're happy to have him go. But there are many people finding excuses. My point is many people finding excuses to say, let's just let this election go. Let Biden win it, even though there was a, a serious level of fraud. And after the election, then we'll fix the fraud. Then we'll fix everything else. We'll have all sorts of changes in state legislatures and state law. We'll fix it all. And what may change that thinking among many Americans is the content of what DNI Ratcliffe puts in his report about the level of foreign interference and the cooperation and assistance and aiding and abetting in that foreign interference by American citizens. I think when all that is out there, the number of people who understand that we are watching the ongoing attempted theft of the American election, massive election fraud that actually President Trump won the popular vote and electoral college vote had they voted consistently with the truth of the votes in their states. And I think when that information is out there, you still would like to get to the point where the system itself, the system established by the Constitution and federal law gets us to the right answer that we cannot award, we cannot validate election fraud, we cannot inaugurate 
the Biden team when they, the election was fraudulent and when the actual winner was Donald Trump. I think we have systems in place to perhaps get us there and hopefully get us there. I think the issuance of this report by Ratcliffe will help a lot. But if we don't, if we have the report come out and more people understand and you still have the uh, radical left, the relentless radical left in our country just saying, we don't care who really won. We don't care what the truth is. We don't care what the outcome was. We want our guy and we're going to just push forward. We're going to roll, steamroll America and try to put Biden in place. Then it just may be the time to use the Insurrection Act. It is there for a reason. Its provisions, we'll probably have to go over those sometime in the next week or so. It's there for a reason to allow, even for times like this, when we have what we are watching in America, an insurrection on the part of American citizens who simply decided they get to remove the duly elected president or block him because they want to put their guy in place and the American people cannot and should not tolerate that. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So for today's stories, we start out with Obama's and I love this word, megalomania. You know, I've mentioned before, I'm a total, I, I love words. I think they're very fun. Megalomania, megalomania revealed, connect these dots. Obama's intent to fundamentally transform the USA was not a wistful vision. It was a serious plot and plan. After eight years of Obama, they planned eight years of Hillary and then eight years of Michelle. 24 straight years of leftist Marxist control and America would never be the same deliberate plan to compromise and control President Hillary Clinton outlined by Patrick Byrne. Total uh, Obama silence, total silence by Obama after the early 16 CIA warning, warning from Brennan, Comey and Strzok right to President Obama that Hillary had cooked up the Russia collusion hoax total silence ever since then the part even after the news came out and the dni ratcliffe released handwritten brennan notes no admission of wrongdoing no immediate curiosity to follow up and try to get obama to answer what was happening none trump's surprise 2016 victory messed up obama's plan threatened to reverse it entirely that's why obama holdovers thwarted trump at every step for four years that's why the 2020 election was rigged but to overcome Trump's overwhelming Election Day popularity required a level of cheating that could not be hidden. Americans know who Obama's vice president was. Americans know this stolen election cannot be enforced ever. And on the Insurrection Act, why and now, uh, there was a longer story of Aaron Burr I didn't get to, but Aaron Burr had already killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Burr was intent on furthering chaos and opposition to the still new government. President Thomas Jefferson was aware that the still new constitution handcuffed his ability to deal with the harm Burr was doing. Congress gave Jefferson the Insurrection Act to put down efforts to undermine the legitimacy of the federal government. Election fraud of 2020 is an effort to undermine sabotage, undermine or sabotage legitimate vote of the American people and China and other foreign entities were involved. Invoking the Insurrection Act is clearly on the table to prevent election fraud from succeeding. My very fine friends, that's my show for today. I'm Debbie George Addis, and this is America Can We Talk. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. You can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. 
hit the subscribe button, get my once a week newsletter, hit the donate button. This is a listener supported show. I very much need your support. I thank you for those who are supporting the show. Appreciate that. And if you're not and you're able to do so, I would so appreciate a one-time or recurring donation. Again, on the website, americachemitalk.org, hit the donate button. I appreciate your support. Whatever form of social media you're using to listen to the show, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, help us grow. We're now active on Rumble. We're out there on Rumble. We're putting the show out there. We're still on the, uh, the other websites or other platforms we've used in the past, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We're moving in the newer platforms too. I am determined to keep on the show on air, keep the show going, keep on talking about preserving America, the most extraordinary, unique experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. So thank you for listening to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-